Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Riggin. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds good to you, make sure that you subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast feed on iTunes and Spotify. As I've said for the last couple of weeks, that's going to be changing soon, so stay tuned for that announcement. Uh, but for right now, get over there and uh, get on the, the feed on Spotify and iTunes, A to Z Sports there. Uh, and uh, if you, oh, and make sure to follow us on social media at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, and at A to Z Sports on Twitter, then Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. And today's podcast is brought to you by TennesseeTickets.com, the place you should trust with any of your ticket purchases, balls, home, and away games, which looks like it's going to be happening. Football is coming. We hope it looks like it is. Concerts at your favorite venues, all with zero hidden fees at checkout, unlike other sites, and save $10 off every ticket purchase right now with promo code AZ10AZ10. That's TennesseeTickets.com. Zach. I went and I ate in a restaurant over the weekend and I felt like a normal person and it was pretty incredible. Um, I, it's strange that these little, the, the things that we completely t- have taken for granted in the past, things that I would have never, ever thought about in the past has become a true joy in my life. It was so nice getting out there. Yeah, just imagine all those times that you've had to go to dinner with somebody and you didn't really feel like going and you just kind of wanted to stay in. This has made me like want to just crave those moments, moments that I thought were just, I just didn't want to go out at all. You know, you always have those days. It's like I'd kill for that now. My wife and I, you, well, used to be, we still kind of are depending on who's asking, but uh we used to be huge into just canceling plans. Like it just feels good to not do anything sometimes. Uh, and now really I'm like, God, I wish that we could go and do things and slowly things are coming back. You still no no concerts, no movies. No, there are still things that we got to get to even in, in Tennessee, which I think is maybe the openest state in America or one of them. Um, we still can't even do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, like Maybe concerts. Concerts, that's a good thing. You know, there's been a lot of times, we go to a lot of concerts, but there's a lot of times where uh, we'll, we'll catch them next time they're in town. And now you, I don't feel like I'd be quite as, I wouldn't next jump. Time. Yeah, when is next time? I, let's let's go now. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a weird world we're living in, but we made it another week. And uh, we got plenty of all stuff to talk about, a lot of uh, movement, particularly the recruiting trail. The NCAA announced that the dead period is going to get extended. We're going to talk about the implications of that. Uh, A writer over at CBS Sports says Tennessee is going to beat Alabama, uh, and we're going to talk about that. And then also some of these early top 25 rankings uh, that have come out uh, that Tennessee is mentioned in. We're going to discuss all of that. But first, we got to talk about Zach. Georgia is so mad. How? It, I can't believe how they're getting just taken for a ride, frankly. I, like, I think that they they probably think that they're 
oh, we're Georgia, this and that. But we're, Tennessee fans are over here just having a good time with this video game silliness with Coach Duggs and Barstool Sports. And Georgia, so this week in the Coach Doug saga, he played Georgia. Big Cat of Barstool Sports is streaming online, and he's playing as Tennessee and Coach Doug's, and it's a whole thing. He played Georgia this week, and he beat Georgia and was tweeting about it. And the actual official Georgia football Twitter account replied and said, we'll take the win over Tennessee in 2019 instead of a video game or something to that effect. And they just got roasted up and down. It's a it's a video game. How stupid does Georgia look right now? And the best part to me is that they they misspelled the tweet or they left some words out, I, I believe. That. And then they had to they had to delete it and tweet it again. So they, they had the chance to not tweet it twice, and they they hit the button and, and decided to tweet it. Yeah, it, it's petty for sure. I don't think Georgia realizes Tennessee fans have been through everything. I mean, you're going to have to come way harder than a shady tweet uh, like that if you're going to hurt Tennessee fans. They've been 4-8. and eight. They've had Derek Dooley and, and Butch Jones, and they've watched Lane Kiffin leave town. They've burned couches. A, a tweet from the Georgia football accounts is not going to do any damage. It It's so ridiculous. And I, I even saw some people talking about, specifically with Florida too, because the same thing this week in the, in the Coach Doug's schedule, they played Florida, he beat Florida, which was, I, I will say, a ton of fun actually. It, it came down to, I believe, uh, he, Big Cat scored, then and had the lead. Then Florida had a hail mary with they, seconds they, remaining. Yeah, they they recovered an onside kick as they, well. They recovered, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Recovered an onside kick. It's the most Tennessee Florida thing ever. And then <laughs> scored a hail mary touchdown to take the lead. So Florida has the lead, and everybody. I mean, at that point, everyone who was watching on social media was like, "This is the most Tennessee thing ever." It was tense too. Game, yeah, yeah. I mean, even in a video game, Tennessee can't can can beat Florida. It, couldn't stop Florida's defense. I mean, offense at all. Could not stop them. He said there. There was one. The funniest moment out of that entire ordeal after the hail mary. Uh, he big cat just put his hands on his head and literally said, "How did this happen?" <laughs> and I know every Tennessee fan that was watching said within their own head, <laughs> "We oh, all we know. know how this happened. Oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> this is Tennessee." <laughs> it was just yeah. It's funny. He's doing it's it. He's in 2017, I believe, right? That's the the yeah, year he's in. I mean, it was just like the 2017 Florida game there for a minute. Oh, the, the you know the the hail mary at the end. Well, that wasn't really a hail mary, but the long touchdown pass at the end there of that game. But it was similar. He pulled but it out. Thankfully, he he had a huge kickoff return with seconds left, and then had almost a hail mary pass of his own. Got down at the goal line, ended up winning the game. So he beat Florida, beat Georgia, all all in the same week. <laughs> And I saw some, I saw some Tennessee fans, some, somebody saying, oh, Tennessee can't talk trash to Florida. Don't forget that. Let me just say to that. No, Tennessee fans can talk trash to whoever they want with Florida. I mean, to me, it comes down to Florida hasn't beat Tennessee on the basketball court in over three years. So it's not like Tennessee doesn't have any bragging rights at all. Sure. Uh, Florida is an absolute curse on Tennessee's entire being when it comes to, to football. But, man, 
we can brag. We can have fun. Jordan, when it comes to Georgia, Georgia, you lost to Butch Jones twice. Shut up. Take a seat. Y- you, you know, could have easily been four times too. Uh, yes, they were it very could close. Have. And they they almost lost with Aaron Murray when they were ranked number three in America. And Tennessee, a, a, a not very good Tennessee team, took them to overtime. Let's not forget that. And then they lost the next two years to Butch Jones. So I mean, Butch Jones had your number. Just cool it like Tennessee is just having fun with this video game nonsense it's absolute silliness do you who, think who cares do you think Georgia is tweeting at Tennessee if they're 25th in the recruiting rankings do you think where they're at has is is part of the reason that they're kind of coming at them like that I'm gonna say yes I don't know but I think I it has to be like I, in in some sense I mean I I think all of that stuff matters. I mean, you saw, look, you saw Peyton Manning during the match this past Sunday. He said during that, he said uh, that Tiger had suggested that he wear uh, red and black and that Peyton had said, absolutely not. I'm not going to give Georgia the image of me wearing red and black so that they can use it for recruiting. It's every little thing. Every little thing counts when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, and so, pfft, I would not count it out at all that this is Georgia kind of trying to take a jab at Tennessee because Tennessee's recruiting has been off the charts in the last month. Well, they're going to have to come harder than that. Like I said, a simple tweet over a video game. I mean, Vol Twitter is going to own you every single time, and and it's just going to make Georgia look worse. And that's how they came out with this. They looked way worse after tweeting that, but... Yeah, it's yeah, just like, more fun for Tennessee fans to have, really. Who looks worse in this scenario? The Tennessee fans who are just having fun with this video game nonsense or Georgia turning it serious and being like, we'll take our win in 2019. Well, nobody's talking about 2019. This is a video game. You you look stupid. That's Yeah, like, it's just who, fun. Ex- yeah, and you just got to take it at what it is. Florida didn't tweet about it. Uh, I did enjoy this. This was another thing that really, you know, going to a restaurant made me feel much more normal. But what really made me feel normal this past week, um, a bar in Florida had put on Big Cat playing (laughs) for uh, playing the game. He had put it on the TV uh, in this bar in Florida. And when they had the Hail Mary, he tweeted out a video, the guy, whoever that works at this bar tweeted out a video of it's great to be a Florida Gator and people cheering in the bar as they watch Florida, uh, you know, take the lead. And then in that, obviously they go on to lose. And in the bottom of that, Tennessee fans just ruining this guy's night. Oh yeah. (laughs) And that felt great because that's, that is absolutely, I mean, that that's what happened after the Hail Mary at Georgia. That's what happens anytime someone gets, you know, cold take or whatever. And it felt like, Hey, we're in this communal experience together, experiencing sports again. It feels great. It, it is, I mean, it's genuinely like a fun thing. Clearly, the floor fans, we're getting some fun out of it. We're getting fun out of it. And Georgia has to come in here and get all serious. We'll take our win in 2019. Dude, shut up. Shut up, Georgia. Georgia's going to be in for a rude awakening. If Tennessee ever gets to 11, 12, 13, whatever wins a year, again, Tennessee fans on Twitter are going to be so over the top they're not i mean this is nothing i mean you've you've seen the way tennessee fans over the last seven or eight years on twitter have been haven't won more than nine games in a season yet just wait till they're good i i have been saying it 
since I mean since I really got a Twitter. Of all Twitter is bad now. Just think if Tennessee actually got good at football. I don't think I mean other... just that little stretch in 2016 when oh. when Tennessee was 5 and 0. I mean that was that was a little taste of it there. Yeah, I mean, people were ready to burn it down after you, after you beat Florida and Georgia. I mean, you're oh, sitting yeah. high on your horse as a Tennessee fan, thinking you're about to glide into the SEC championship game. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll be bad. Good luck to all those other fan bases if Jeremy Pruitt really finds a way to turn this thing around in a big a big way. Um, and on that note, uh, we want to talk about some of these early season predictions zach you you had some uh some stories of i believe at a to z sports about these top 25 rankings what's going on there with uh what other people are saying about tennessee in the preseason yeah i mean there's all kinds of early season rankings right most of them i don't really pay much attention to because everybody has their own version but pro football focus when they come out with some rankings i kind of i kind of look at those a little bit and they had tennessee at number 19 in their preseason top 25 so, I mean, it kind of tells you that, that they're expecting some big things from Tennessee this year. I mean, that'd be quite an improvement on where they were. They finished last year unranked. Um, but along with that, a lot of the teams Tennessee's playing next year are also ranked. Um, Alabama, I think, is third. Georgia's fifth. Florida, sixth. Oklahoma, seven. Um, Kentucky at 20. I mean, you kind of – you kind of look past that Kentucky game now because Tennessee started beating them again, but Kentucky's still going to be pretty decent next year. That won't be an easy game to win. And I kind of wondered when I saw these rankings, it's like what would it take for Tennessee to, to get to the top 10 again? Because every year seems like there's that team that's either not ranked or they're ranked low in the top 25 that ends up creeping into the top 10 by the end of the year. Um, Minnesota did that last year. They weren't ranked. Because for the most part, the top 10 from last year stayed the same. I mean, the teams, it almost looks a lot like it did this year. I think seven of the top 10 teams that were ranked, seven of the teams that were ranked in the top 10 preseason finished in the top 10. Only teams that jumped up were Oregon, who was 11th, Penn State, 15th, and uh, Minnesota, who wasn't ranked. They all jumped into the top 10. So can Tennessee be one of those teams? Yeah, I, I do think it it would take a I don't want to say a miracle, not necessarily a miracle. It would just take winning your winning football games, but to get into the top ten again, I don't think Tennessee realistically has a stretch where I see that they're going to slip back into the top ten. Because what it would take in the way that the schedule sets up is they have to win in succession some group of Florida, Georgia. And then maybe when they play Alabama or Oklahoma, Florida, or Oklahoma, yes. Florida, Georgia, or I mean, it's it's going to take in that that initial set. Although the am I wrong? The Georgia game's late in the season. Actually. Yeah, it's later right? this I, year. I forgot. So yeah, yeah, it is later. So actually, scratch that. But it it still would take. It's going to take big wins over big teams in succession. I think for I Tennessee think... to climb back up that way, and I ugh, it, it'll be extremely tough at best. I think those those four games, it's like the big four for Tennessee next year, Oklahoma, Alabama, Florida, Georgia. Because all those other games you feel like Tennessee will probably be favored in. And, and like I said, the Kentucky game could still be tough. I don't think I don't think that's necessarily a given. I think Tennessee wins that game, but I don't think it's a it's a blowout win by any means. Kentucky's gonna be good. I mean, they should be 
fourth in the SEC if everything plays out the way we think it will next year. But I think if, to get into the top ten, you'd, you'd have to finish the season with two losses at most, really. Maybe three if you had some good wins. But I think you're looking at winning two of those four big games against Oklahoma, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. Yeah, it, that's that's what it's going to take. And I, I'm glad that this team is getting that amount of hype. I, I'm surprised by the amount of hype that Kentucky's getting because I actually saw Sporting News put out their preseason top 25 in the last couple of days. They had Kentucky at 23 and Tennessee not in oh, the top wow. 25. They're... I, I don't know what it is. Maybe these media guys haven't learned their lesson. Kentucky can try all they want, but until they come through in football, to me, they're never going to. I mean, I just I have to believe it to, see, or I have to see it to believe it. No, I think it, they're pretty much at their ceiling with Mark Stoops. I think he's done exactly. a good job there. I think they're a competitive team, and they pull off some upsets. This is as um, good as it gets, though. It, yeah, exactly. And really, and with Tennessee getting better, um that was a win that Kentucky was getting from time to time that they're probably not going to be getting anymore. But uh, 2018 is the best Kentucky team that we've seen probably ever. And they finished 10 and three and they lose to a five and seven Tennessee team. I mean, that's their peak. Still makes me laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, t- Tennessee, it, Tennessee just has Kentucky's number in a, in a general sense. I believe the last time we played them in baseball, Swept them the last time we played them in basketball in Rupp Arena. Tennessee wins. I mean, it just like whatever it is, uh, we we just kind of have Kentucky uh, by the short hairs. But it's it's still hey, maybe they do pull off something this year like they did a couple years ago. We'll see. Uh, but I, I'm glad Tennessee is getting this kind of of hype. To me, it still comes down to everything comes down to this season in terms of this really coming to fruition with Tennessee being an actual top 25 team is will Jerry Carantano be the guy that's it I I think it's the the uh, with Jeremy Pruitt and and Derek Ansley on this defense I think we've seen that they will put a serviceable product out there on the field it's it's gonna if it's not gonna be just flat out good it's gonna be all right can Tennessee score points it was so so woeful at some points last season just watching that offense just struggle and if if jared can pick it up and jared jared or whoever it doesn't look like jt daniels is gonna pan out but um whoever ends up winning that spot can they be the guy can they lead tennessee uh to not just wins but a lot of touchdowns i mean you gotta score uh and tennessee couldn't do it last year uh and and that's that's the long and the short of it for me. With with Garantano, though, I mean, we've always always known he's had arm talent. He has some some good physical abilities. He's not fast like we were led to believe, but but he's got the size and the arm. At what point do we start questioning Chris Winkie at quarterback coach? Is it is he not getting it done? I mean, I you know he didn't really do well in the Rams and Jared Goff in the one year that he was there. Um, or is it just Garantano isn't is is peaked and isn't this is as good as he's going to get regardless of who's coaching him? I, is it him or is it Winky? I mean, there's a reason that Pruitt is keeping Winky on staff. He obviously believes he's a good coach. Well, and you got to wonder how how much is Winky and and how much is uh, 
is the Jim Chaney because yeah. Chaney has obviously become known as like a quarterback guy and really a pro style quarterback guy, which Jared came in as a, uh, as a dual threat. He hasn't ever really shown that that's a part of his repertoire. Must've been some uh, slow but... defenses up there in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened there, but uh, it, nonetheless, he, he has kind of just shown to not be the most mobile guy on, on planet earth. And so, Maybe it is just that Jared is kind of this weird wedge player where he would have been good if he could have been faster. And maybe this is just his ceiling. And and because he doesn't have that agility and the speed that Josh Dobbs had. That exactly. That's maybe, what I was thinking when you said maybe that. Maybe it's just not ever going to get there. I. It's hard to to really know. Obviously, we'll see soon enough. Um but yeah, to, to me, it just all it all comes down to him. I, I think you you are going to get good years out of guys like uh, Eric Gray. I think he's my gosh, he's on the up, man. I think he's going to be an absolute freak. You got some nice pieces on the outside. Can all of that be put together in a really productive way? And I do think Tennessee is a top twenty-five team, pretty clearly. You, they got the dudes, but can it all get put together? It's it's kind of. Um, I don't want to talk about the, the Titans too much, but it was just, you saw it last, last year, Tannehill was just the puzzle piece. The Titans already had it. They just had to have the puzzle piece that came in and finished everything. And can Jared become that for you? Well, you know, you say that, and, and Jared's a lot like Marcus was for the Titans. They're very similar in a lot of ways where they just can't quite find that consistency and get there. You pull form and you root form. Uh, and maybe that's a similar situation where Jarrett starts the season as the starter and then it's Bailey or Maurer or Hill, Shrout, one of the 15 quarterbacks that Tennessee has. Maybe somebody else steps up. Maybe. And I think there's a lot of people that have been almost hoping that would happen. I think uh, you can go back and listen to our podcast, what, a couple, three weeks ago. Uh, about Jared Garantano and how he's extremely divisive and what everybody kind of thinks about him. There's a lot of people that that don't want him to be the quarterback, if we're being totally honest. Um, and and maybe one of those guys does step up, changes everything, and we're we're speculating on something that's not, you know, something is going to come along that we don't even know about at this point, you know, where we thought 2020 was going to be great. Coronavirus stepped up and said, nah, well, maybe – there's going to be some quarterback for Tennessee this coming year that we just uh, we we don't know about. And so I did I just compare a quarterback to coronavirus. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. That's not what I meant. But you know what I mean? We we all had our expectation for 2020 and things change. Things change. And we didn't know that this was going to happen. And so may, maybe that factor is out there for Tennessee. I guess we'll we'll see. But that's. Uh, that's the long and the short of that. Any before we before we move on with the top twenty five stuff, was there anything else you wanted to discuss about it? Well, do you think that the hype is dangerous? Because we've seen Tennessee kind of get this hype before. You you finish the season with six straight wins, recruiting's going well. You know you're going to probably going to be a top twenty five team, but the schedule is not easy. You know it's the uh, according to ESPN's FPI rankings. Uh, Tennessee has the 13th hardest schedule in the country. I mean, Tennessee can still be good next year and not improve on their record. And then how is that viewed? Is it a 
disappointment. You know, that they didn't live up to this number 19 hype. That's a good question and an interesting way to frame the conversation. Because when I think of this Tennessee team, I mean, I think another eight or nine win season, man, that's pretty golden, especially when one of your out-of-conference games is at Oklahoma. Um, that's just a lot to ask that suddenly Tennessee's a 10-win team at the same time, as I said, the pieces in a lot of ways are there. So, that, I'm not sure what my answer to that question is. Honestly, I, I don't think Tennessee is going to be kind of smelling their own fumes and getting high on this hype or anything. I, cause I, now, if Pruitt they, kept them level-headed through 0-2, he's going to keep them level-headed through feeling good about yourself. Exactly. That don't don't go feeling yourself now. We haven't done anything. And Pru- Pruitt has had that that attitude of just kind of like, why would we get hype? We haven't done anything, you know? Um, and I think he's literally said something almost <laughs> exactly like yeah. that in the past. Well, he's been on teams that have – I mean, he knows what it uh, – He knows what wins. success is. I mean, he knows that the team, the program's come a long way from where they started, but he knows that they're 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 at the halfway point, if even there, really, to yeah. get where they want to be. But I still, unfortunately, and I hope I'm wrong. I'll say this: I still personally view this as a transition year, where you're really gonna start cashing in on these these nice recruiting classes that Brutus put together next year. Yeah, I 20, think so too. 2021, and you have some. Obviously, you're going to have a really nice class of freshmen coming in that season. You're going to have a quarterback who is actually Pruitt's guy stepping up, and that I think that'll just change things. That that shakeup, as long as he can keep his staff together and consistent and really moving forward, that I, I don't know. I, I don't want to give him too much slack this year. Yeah. You know, f- five wins is not an option. That's I'm not going to have you know. That's not okay, but seven seven to nine wins, I'm not going to be wanting to tar and feather him and carry him out of town. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee needs to win, like you said, seven to nine games next year. Just eight wins, eight and five again, that's fine. That's, that's right where they need to be. What I really want to see is those Florida and Georgia games be actually competitive. I'm not – I know I'm not for moral victories, but those are games that could go either way every year. That's how they should be. And Florida's going to beat Tennessee. Tennessee's going to beat Florida. George, I mean, it's just going to it's going to be a good game. Like that's what you're looking for, and we haven't had that. I mean, Georgia has obliterated Tennessee the past three years, and, and Florida the past two years. They just haven't really been close games where they went into the fourth quarter, and we kind of saw them get close with Alabama last year. But that's really what I'm looking for. Just make these games that are close, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. And and speaking of that, I, I completely agree. And speaking of having those games be close, an analyst at CBS Sports, Tom Fornelli, he said this week that he believes that Tennessee will beat, not Georgia, not Florida, not even Oklahoma, although I don't I don't know exactly what he said about those games. He may have said that Tennessee will get one of those too, but uh, he thinks Tennessee is going to beat Alabama. Games in Neyland, 
cool, but this is Alabama. Also, none of Nick Saban's protégés have ever beaten him, so the odds are obviously stacked against Tennessee in a pretty big way. What did you think about Tom Fornelli saying this this week? My first reaction was, are you drunk making your predictions? <laughs> Why would you know? But then I was like, well, I, they weren't that far off last year. They they were, it was a game late. And Garantano made that terrible goal line decision and who knows what happens from there. Uh, but, you know, there's no more Tua. Alabama's lost their, their two best wide receivers. I don't know. I mean, Alabama didn't look like Alabama down the stretch last year, and I'm not a disbeliever in Nick Saban by any means. I don't think he's losing a step, but I think the rest of college football is starting to catch up with them some. I think the playoff era has helped that because it's kind of spread out the recruiting a little bit. But you've kind of you've kind of seen that that he can be gotten now. You, you know, you see Ed Ogeron kind of have his way with him and it's like, well, okay, you know, this, this, this can happen. Um, I'm not expecting Tennessee to beat Alabama next year, but I wouldn't be, I'm not going to say it can't happen. So here's why I think it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. It's nearly out. <laughs> I'll say that much. Do I think Tennessee is going to beat Alabama? No, I do not. But there are some factors that I saw last year, the ones that you're talking about, Alabama and Nick Saban has kind of shown that he he can be human. He, you know, it's not a completely impenetrable force. But when Tennessee went to Tuscaloosa this last year, there were moments in that game where the lines for Tennessee, offensive and defensive, were legitimately pushing around. Alabama and maybe it was just momentum and Tennessee really you know and, and Alabama kind of getting caught on their back foot or something but you know Tennessee is not as far behind as I think a lot of people want to think talent wise specifically in the trenches I think we, we've already mentioned plenty on this podcast during this offseason Tennessee theoretically if Cade Mays gets cleared they're going to have the best offensive line in the SEC should and so you win in the trenches against any team, that's an amazing place to start, period. If you win in the trenches, you have a leg up from the very beginning. And maybe Tennessee can, and maybe there's the breaks go your way. As I said, is it completely out of the realm of possibility? I don't think so. It could happen. I mean, Gus Malzahn has found a way to beat Nick Saban <laughs> a few Saves times. his job every time. Yeah, I mean, it's Hugh Freeze beat him two years in a row. He's He is human to a certain extent. But do I think Tennessee's going to beat Alabama? No, I do not. <laughs> and Fernelli, though, did have some good reasons for his. It wasn't just like a dart that he threw, like, yeah, this will get some headlines here. I don't. I think he believes there's reasons, and he pointed out it will be – Tennessee has a bye week the week before, uh, so he'll be rested. It'll be Alabama's eighth game in eight weeks, and it will be their third road game in four weeks. So it's a nice uh, little trap. It's a it's a trap formula. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody, I'm sure if Tennessee starts out, I, I'm not sure how their schedule sets up before that, but if they're 
in a decent spot. It'll be a hype game if, if Tennessee is is rolling along a little bit there and has won some games. Uh, if they've if they've up if they've upset Oklahoma or Florida by that point, it will be a massive game. I could even see it being like a game day type game, uh, or depending on the landscape of college football in the fall. But if Tennessee catches two of the three of Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, that is legitimately that's going to be a huge game. Uh, it will be because Tennessee at, at that point, I would have to think is probably hovering around top 15, top 20 Alabama, as we all know. I mean, they're going to be top 10 probably at that point at worst. And so, yeah, that, that will be a majorly hype game, but that's a lot to ask. Um, Tennessee does. We, we were going to mention this also uh, in, in this discussion, Tennessee has, according to uh, some sources, the 13th toughest schedule in America this upcoming year. This is no cakewalk. This team is still building from the the dumpster up that, Butch, you know, the, the dumpster that Butch left them in. And so this, it's a, it's a lot to ask, but I, I will keep going back to it. Is it possible for Tennessee to pull off these big things? Sure, you have, you have Florida. Uh, at home, hey, maybe, I don't know, you do have to go to Georgia, but you've won at Georgia in the last few years, it's doable, you want to add Georgia with Kirby on the sidelines, it can happen, Um, and so, who knows, I'm not counting it completely out, but this schedule is a murderer's row, no matter how you slice it. I think Tennessee will be better for it, I think this schedule is probably... I kind of have, have changed my mind on this a little bit. Maybe it's just because I've had so much time to think about it. But like you said, this is still kind of that transition year. I mean, that win against a team that's not Oklahoma would be nice. But the experience that Tennessee will will gain from this schedule will be invaluable down the road, I think. I think it's just like the lessons they learned losing the Georgia State and BYU. You know, if they don't lose those two games, do they beat Mississippi State and Kentucky and Missouri last year? I mean, it's kind of that Good same. Question. So it is a tough schedule, but I think I think they'll be better for it, um, especially in the SEC. Got a lot of young players, 2021, 2022, set up to be some big years maybe for Tennessee. You know, they have those recruits coming in, they could make some noise. So this will be kind of those games that they've played in these environments that they, they can lean on that experience when times get tough in, in 2021 and 2022. Hopefully it does. And hopefully things do do come together. The main thing is I just want to see these guys actually be able to play. And I guess we, we can wrap, wrap it up on this, kind of go into the latest news that has come out about college football happening. I, I would put it this way. The college football season is going to happen. I think the that's pretty much in in the bag at this point. At at the very least, it's going to happen in the SEC, <laughs> and so um, we can start there. Um, it, it was announced. I don't think this had been officially announced when we did our podcast last week, uh, but the SEC will be welcoming its players back to campuses on June 8th for voluntary workouts. If you know anything about SEC football, that basically means mandatory workouts. And so kids are going to be back. 
June 8th. Uh, you already saw some dudes this week talking about how they're uh, they're coming back on, on social media. They're ready to be back. This is exciting news and should be good for, for college football at the same time. Today, it was announced, annoyingly, in my opinion, that the NCAA is extending the recruiting dead period through July 31st, which effectively means the recruiting dead period will last until after the start of the college football season. So theoretically, as of right now, you could have players on campus when the football season starts. But I I don't get this move even in the, the slightest. Uh, but what did you think when you heard that today? Yeah, I don't I don't get it either. I mean, we're I mean, that's two months away. I, maybe they're doing that because recruits plan visits way out. I don't understand it especially if players can come back to campus. I guess they're worried about the traveling and, and all that. But this could be a positive for Tennessee maybe because nobody has recruiting momentum like Tennessee does. This is less visits uh, that some of their committed players can take. Some of those five-star guys they landed that, you know, once you get the commitment, that's only half the battle. You got to keep recruiting them. You got to keep them committed. You got to sign them in December or February. So this kind of shortens that up a little bit. Um, and then a, another, any other recruits that are kind of looking where to commit, you know, that Tennessee momentum still on their, on their mind. I don't know if it helps a lot, but if anybody's in a position to weather this, it's Tennessee because they've already got a class full of kids committed. And all these other programs are still kind of scrambling. We're not really scrambling, but they're still building their classes. Yeah, Tennessee, in in some sense, is sort of in the catbird seat when it comes to this sort of thing. I do, I do wonder, and I would bet that this is probably the case, or at least weighed into this decision by the NCAA heavily. There are schools and places that are still locked down that are saying, "Well, even if you lifted the recruiting dead period, we can't have kids here because our government's not allowing it." I would say that's probably. California, Michigan is still there. I don't think they're ever going to come <laughs> out from under lockdown. That, that governor there, man, she's. she's I saw they let some to go order stuff start happening, I think, oh, this week, which is a huge deal. I mean, that didn't stop in most places. <laughs> yeah, because they wasn't, I think it was Michigan that they, you couldn't even buy like seeds at the store to oh, yeah. the yard because they didn't want you to go outside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Michigan might just not, not. I don't know if people will go outside this year. I'm not even sure, much less play football. Which is bizarre uh, because Tennessee just lost a an in-state recruit to Michigan. I did. I saw week. that. Yeah. Uh, so Harbaugh is still recruiting somehow. Uh, you just might not get to play. Yeah. Um, but but not, nonetheless, I would guess that it's guys in states like that that are saying, hey, uh, we don't want them to have this giant recruiting advantage just because our government is saying that we can't have people here and so maybe they're just saying yeah let's kill recruiting for this entire essentially this entire offseason but i could see that this is that's so brutal for these kids man that's so brutal for these kids because it's such a huge huge decision and you're gonna make it without seeing these campuses in person without talking to these coaches in person there's so much different that happens when you're there in the flesh and the coaches are making decisions 
where they haven't seen these players in person as often. And too. This is a huge time period where you're evaluating players at camps and stuff in person. And they can't show off at camps. And like, yeah. Not only that, this is kind of when recruiting services, too, are re-rating, re-ranking players, and they're kind of getting some more notoriety. You're not having that right now. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lose-lose for everybody. It's really um, frustrating, and I, I hate that that's happening. But it it is what it is. But on, kids on the- can still go to a campus. Technically. Because <laughs> it happened with Tennessee last week that their player came in Marley from North Carolina, committed, and he went to Tennessee's campus, and, and VolQuest reported this. It's it's nothing secret. Um, he went to the campus and fa- – yeah, well, you blame Brent Hubs at VolQuest. <laughs> but he went to the NCAA, I mean, went to the uh, campus and, and FaceTimed with Tennessee's coaches, and they literally dropped pins at different locations for him to go check out. Uh, love it. Nothing, awesome. nothing against the rules. He showed up on his own. There's no law against driving to a college. You just can't be there with uh, any part of the coaching staff or the university. That's just another example of Tennessee being ahead of all this that that is so forward thinking and smart and that is why tennessee is winning on the recruiting trail during this whole ordeal that i mean that right there is just finding those loopholes and figuring it out because you have this young energetic staff that is really bringing it and coming up with these ideas that's un, unbelievable you, and, you know i love it you mentioned aaron murray earlier and we were talking about something that kind of makes me think of his comments about Pruitt a couple years ago at SEC media days about he didn't think Pruitt could be the CEO of a program and it's stuff like this the way that Pruitt has delegated and adapted to everything that just shows how wrong Murray was about that I mean Pruitt has been great about I mean that he handed the defense to Derek Ansley in his second year it took Ed Ogeron 15 years to stay out of the offense you know it, I mean, I, I will say he proved he has proved Aaron Murray wrong so far, and me. I had my doubts at the beginning because I just thought this guy. Not only has he never been a head coach in college, he's never been a head coach. Period. Does yeah. he really understand? Like it's, I, I just think about all the bosses that I've had, and I've worked for guys who have been a boss for twenty years and still suck at it. Well, it's, it's a- not. You know, it's not something that just comes naturally to everybody if you just do it. it. You know, you some guys just have to be a natural leader to to really get it down. And, and Pruitt, obviously, it still has to translate into more wins on the football field. But so far, he's shown that he has a real touch for it in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think what, like I said, what convinced me the most was the uh, just keeping the program together after the disastrous start yeah. last year. But yeah, he's he was a polarizing guy when he came to Tennessee. I mean, his time at Georgia was well known that he didn't, there was a lot of people he was close to. Obviously he brought some of those coaches with him to Tennessee, like Will Friend and others that, that were in the mix, but there's a certain coaches that just did not see eye to eye. I think Mike Eckler was the uh, inside linebackers coach at Georgia and he wouldn't even comment on Pruitt. When, when asked about it, he said, I think it's just best that I don't even comment on how I feel about that situation. So, I mean, there was some people that he rubbed the wrong way, and I don't know if it's because he's demanding. He's kind of 
expects more out of you. I'm not sure what the reason is, but I can understand how some people were kind of skeptical at first. I get the, the feeling this is complete projection by me and just total, total conjecture. This may not be the case. I get the feeling with Pruitt that he doesn't give a crap what other people think. And that that's really great for working for a guy like Nick Saban. Cause Nick Saban doesn't, couldn't care less oh, what other people think about his Lane Kiffin out on the sideline plenty of times. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, you, you just see Pruitt with the media, because he's not in the heat of any kind of situation, he's, he's pretty meek, he's pretty mild, he plays it safe a lot of the time, but you also see in the heat of a football game, he will rip a dude's head off on the sideline. Uh, I mean, he has that fire in there, and I'm going to say he's not doing that just with players. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. the guys that are on his staff, without a doubt, I'm sure he's doing the same thing, uh, you know, behind closed doors. Well, that's kind of what I wondered with, uh, with Tyson Hilton when he was there, uh, yeah. in 2018, I think, I don't think those two meshed well together and it's nothing bad about either coach, just some coaching styles work for some people and some, some don't. And, and Pruitt is definitely that Nick Saban type coach. Kirby Smart's the same way where that's their style and that's the way they're going to coach and that's the way they're going to run their program. Not everybody can be Dabo Sweeney and put on the front like he does. Oh God. Thank goodness Pruitt <laughs> yeah. is not like Dabo. I'll just, I'll say that uh, and, and leave it there. Not At least Pruitt's not making a TikTok. Like Dabo did last week. God, that was why. Oh my goodness! Why? The, how how did you commit there? <laughs> the cringiest thing I've ever seen. Uh, it was like staring into the sun. Can when you I imagine was watching that? If Butch Jones was still the head coach at Tennessee, TikTok, uh, it would be a thing. Uh, you know, it would be. I oh, I don't even want to think about that. That would suck so much, and he would get made a made fun of so much by everyone including Tennessee fans. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but that's, that's generally what, what's going on going back to the, the recruiting debt period, getting extended July 31st, which is effectively all the way up until this next football season. Um, but, but other things have happened and now the, uh, the talk has really turned to, okay, college football is going to happen, which is great news in what form is it going to happen? And the talk I actually did a, I was on a radio show in Clarksville the, this week, Clarksville, Tennessee. And uh, we, I was talking with that host about what potentially things will look like. And I even had, I actually had a Tennessee fan from that interview. They, they tweeted at me and they were asking me, like, I just got season tickets. Do you think that I'll actually get a seat? And, I think the the capacity restrictions are going to be the flashpoint for college football happening in whatever form, and I have no idea. I will say Ray Tanner at SC, the athletic director over there, has been talking about 20% capacity or something like that, which in Neyland would be about 20,000 people. And who are the 20,000 people that get in? That's a pretty fascinating question right now that will be hard to answer i'll say that yeah the speculation some of the speculation i've seen is just um season ticket holders yeah because uh, there's more than twenty thousand season ticket holders in in newland stadium you best believe that 20 percent. i mean 
I personally, I think we'll see more close to 40%, 30-40% fans in the stands. That's my gut feeling. There's really nothing that, that I mean, that's not based in fact or anything that I, I know or have heard. That's just kind of my gut feeling. I feel like we'll see somewhere around 30-40% capacity. Whatever the season ticket holders are, there will be no single game tickets. I don't know how that works out at every stadium because every stadium and every program, I'm sure, sells a different allotment of season tickets. So that, that'll that have to be worked out somehow. But I think we'll have just like a third, third capacity somewhere in there. I hope it's it's as much as they can comfortably make it. And safely, safe. I mean, I'll, I'll 100% say that. I want to be as, as safe as possible. I don't want anybody to, to be in danger or feel like they're in danger or anything like that. Whatever that entails, I'll leave that up to whoever makes that decision. Um, but I want it to be as many as possible because I, man, I was watching some of the the Bundesliga, the German oh, soccer league. <laughs> Dude, they're piping it, piping yeah. in crowd noise. Like, it's bizarre. Let a couple thousand people in. You're outside in a stadium. Like, let a few thousand people in to have actual crowd noise. And they, dude, in those those stadiums are as big as the football stadiums. Here, spread them out. They'll be fine. You know there's people who would do it. Because, I mean, there, they've been open for longer than the United States. And they're not having fans. It's so weird. It, I don't, I don't want to say that it takes away from the enjoyment. Because I watched and I enjoyed it. Um, and it the throws you off. Because you, guys know, yeah. you know it's not fans there because that's something I enjoy watching you know Premier League game at 10 o'clock in the morning in in the spring early winter and just the passion from the fans like it, it's nice it's it's one of the best things about watching a soccer game uh, so when they're piping that noise in it is very bizarre and it kind of throws you off a bit yeah it, it definitely does and it's you know if it makes them feel safe or or it is safe fine sports are happening and i'm happy the the nhl is coming back without crowds and that that's gonna be weird i feel the same exact way about that even though that's indoors which is a whole other thing i think you could still have some small set of people uh that attend past just the teams and probably be okay and that especially if it's low-risk people yeah i mean if it's all if it's young people man come on like, I I don't want I don't want to get into all that. Actually, I, I thought <laughs> yeah. about it. We're we're not going to get in, into all of that. I have thoughts, but um, it that is probably my favorite thing that happened this week. I will say, and we certainly don't have to talk about the minutia of the NHL. But the NHL announced they're going to have a 2014 playoff, which is eight more teams than regular. Uh, there's going to be some pretty crappy hockey teams in the NHL playoff. Uh, but hey, it's happening. I'm happy they're doing sort of a play-in round um, with the bottom half of the teams and then having the real 16-team playoff with uh, a whole set of top teams that get a bye to the second round. I'm hyped. And I think a lot of those, the way that these go, which I thought baseball would already have a plan by now. I thought the NBA would already have a plan by now. I think they're dumb for not having plans already. What are they doing? Why are they dragging their feet? Well, baseball is completely just looking terrible in all this specifically the owners because the players had already agreed to take a prorated salary and now they're wanting to further reduce that basically if a player made Bryce Harper 
makes like 30 some million dollars a year, I think, or uh, Mike Trout. They would go from making 35 million to 18 million prorated all the way down to around 7 million. Um, so they're not, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's $11 million that, that Mike Trout in that scenario would lose. I mean, I, uh, I just know if, if I was a baseball player, a young, healthy, rich dude sitting on my couch at home looking at this, and, you know, you see the stats, and largely speaking, there are certainly outliers, but largely speaking, young people are fine with this virus. I'd be looking and being like, uh, you're hurting my money. Millions of dollars are being taken away from me right now. And I don't see, why are God, why is this not, like, coming out of the, the woodwork? Because, I mean, with every day that passes, these guys are losing more and, mm-hmm. and more money. And I would be so incensed. Uh like the the NHL was in an advantageous spot. Their season was basically over. They only had like two or three weeks left, at, if it was even that. And so, uh, like they they were pretty much all that was left was the playoffs, and they're going to do the playoffs, and you're you're just going to lose the revenue that from the butts that were going to be in the seats, but you're still going to get the TV. You're still going to make a decent chunk of money. Fine. Uh, and the the NBA is the same way. But if, yeah, if I'm in the MLB, like, why are players not getting pissed about this? Maybe they just don't, maybe they're just so rich that they're like, eh, whatever. But, man, I, I think baseball out of all of this is looking the dumbest. The NBA, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing, dragging their feet. Yeah, I kind of yeah, thought I, the NBA would be the first batch. My, when this initially happened, I figured the NBA, yeah. God, I'm they, surprised they haven't figured it out yet. They really haven't. I do, th- I mean, this Let's is do what the NHL's doing. Yeah, exactly. Like literally just do it. And I, God, I want the NBA to come back. The Grizzlies mm. were awesome. And I want to see John Morant play again. It's such a, such a joy to see John Morant play. Um, please. In, the NHL is coming back. Let's do this. Let's get these sports back. Cause also it's going to throw off your coming season too. In, in whatever way that that might get played. There's going to be some massive injuries with these sports coming back after this layoff. Mm. I mean, it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't, but it's probably going to happen, and it could affect them into the next year, like you said. It, it really could, but that's that's the bulk of it. I, I don't think, unless I'm, I missed something, was I don't think there was much other news. The uh, only other thing to add that I know is that uh, Coach Dudge is now 7-0 and after beating Auburn tonight. And they are, uh, the Vols are now in the top ten. Say so beat beat Auburn tonight. I would like to see five to twenty eight. Wow. Okay. So Finally Auburn plays the defense. Sheesh. Um, I would say, uh, I don't think Auburn's going to want to be tweeting about the last time that they played Tennessee. Um, no, because that's yeah. You're not going to have that same problem with them. No. <laughs> no they would uh, just sit this one out, Auburn. Yeah, just just let Tennessee have their fun, and, and you can stay over there. But uh, so, well, that's it. Another episode in the books. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan uh, at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter. Uh, what? Oh my gosh, I dude, I get your email address <laughs> and your Twitter mixed up. I'm not gonna say what your email. Feel free address to is. email me. If you, yeah, it's uh, Zach yeah. TNT I, on Twitter. Yeah, Zach TNT. On Twitter, do not. E- I didn't say your email address, so don't email <laughs> back. Um, and at A to Z Sports on Twitter, also A to Z Sports Nashville.com for all the stuff that Zach writes. 
announcements coming soon about the podcast feed and a new day for the podcast, which is going to be Monday for us. It's coming up. We're still getting it figured out. Uh, But other than that, that is it for us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to everybody next week. See you guys later.